0: be together on Wednesday evenings. Tonight we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 27 and uh, I've entitled this uh, little Bible study Life's Voyage. Life's Voyage. And so we're going to look at uh, probably the whole chapter a little bit longer than, than what some like but we're going to at least hit some high points of the of it as we go through it. So let's just begin with Acts 27 Verse 1, after we have a word of prayer. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, tonight. Thank you for your word. Help us to understand it. Holy Spirit, guide us into your truth. Let your word go forth in power and accomplish what you want it to do. And uh, give us not only the ability to hear what you have for us, but to obey uh, what you tell us. In Christ's name, amen. Acts twenty-seven one. Uh, Luke, the traveling companion of the Apostle Paul, wrote the book of Acts, and here's what he records for us under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So in a ship uh, of Artematium, uh, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia, Aristarchus A Macedonian of Thessalonica was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia, and there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty to Snidas, uh, the wind not permitted us to proceed. We sailed under the shelter of Crete off Siloam, passing with difficulty we came to a place called Fairhaven's near the city of Lacia. And when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because of the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, uh, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster disaster, much lost not only of cargo and of ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul." because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means we could reach Phoenix, uh, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. When the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire putting out the sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurisklydon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of the island called Claudia, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergo the ship, uh, fearing lest they should run aground on the Sartis sands. And they struck sail and so were driven. And because uh, we were exceeding tempest toss the next day, they lightened the ship on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempests beat us all hope uh, that we should be saved was finally given up alright we're gonna stop there and just begin looking at some things as we think about life's voyage I think the truth that this passage would tell us is this is a careful concern must be given to Jesus Christ during life's voyage careful concern must be given to Christ during life's voyage and so I see that he answers what kind of voyage life is going to be well and I'm not being pessimistic but the apostle Paul's life followed this pattern and ours will also what kind of voyage first of all verse seven it was difficult it says, when we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty, off Sinaitis, the wind not permitting us to proceed. You see, the wind not permitting or suffering us is the way some verses say. Paul's voyage was a difficult one. Problems cropped up here and there all through his life when he would really be striving to do things for Jesus, difficulties would come. You need to understand that difficulties don't always signal that that God is against us or God doesn't want us to do something. Difficulties often mean we're doing exactly what God would have us to do. And life's journey can be difficult. The winds of circumstances often are contrary to us. Uh, The devil doesn't want us serving Christ with a whole heart. The devil doesn't want us having a joy that's unexplainable. The devil doesn't want us sharing with others about Jesus. And so difficulties will come, and so we need to grab a hold of that. We do not preach a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel where if you just have enough faith, everything is great. Well, if you have enough faith, everything is great. But that still doesn't relieve you of the difficulties of this life. So it was a difficult kind of voyage. But secondly, it was dangerous. We drop down to verse nine. It says now, when much time had been spent sailing. Uh, was now dangerous because the fast was already over, and Paul advised them saying, "Okay." And so it's dangerous. Um, sailing was now dangerous. Paul's trip went from difficult to dangerous very quickly. And oftentimes that does the same thing to us. We think the difficulty is getting less or we finally got a handle on it and suddenly, boom, it goes from difficult to dangerous. Things just fall apart. It's sort of like uh, things were creaking along and we were trying to keep it all together and something came along and just blew it out of the water. And some people feel like that. I can't stand one more thing, Brother Gary. If God lets one more thing happen. And all I know for sure to say is is that God knows us. God is with us. And we need to understand that dangerous things come into our lives. It may be a bad health report. It may be a loss of a job. It may be a car wreck. It may be there's just dangers on every hand. And we have to rely on God. Not what we can control. Not what we can get a handle on. But we have to let him control life. We need to center on Christ. And then the circumstances may come and go. But we're centered at the anchor of Jesus Christ. And that's what uh, Paul did. He's he's been fasting, uh, and and he's getting ready to tell them some things. So what kind of voyage did he have? A difficult one, a dangerous one will be the same for us, but it was also detrimental. Look at verse 10. Paul advised them after the fast was over, saying, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster, much loss not only of cargo and ship, but also our lives, Okay. It'll end with disaster, not just with losing the cargo and the ship, but with losing also our lives. Satan's work, summed up by Jesus said uh, in John 10.10, 10, that the devil, the thief, doesn't come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Okay, it's detrimental. It's a part of the voyage of life. And, and we live in a fallen, sin-filled world, influenced by Satan. And we need to understand that it's difficult, it's dangerous, it can be detrimental. But this is not our home. Nothing is over until God says it's over. Till God says the end. Till God says come home. Or till Jesus comes back again. And then it's truly over. And we need to understand that. And so there can be loss of things. There can be loss of loved ones. That does not mean God does not love us. It does not mean that He is not right there with us. It does not mean that he's not trying to work all things together through the bad things that happen in our life for good if we love him and are called according to his purpose. All those things. My Bible says he's the God of all comfort who comforts us in, in all our tribulations. All right? So that we may be able to comfort others. All right, with the same comfort we were comforted with. In other words, even when life gets detrimental, it's time to take our, our, our eyes off of our circumstances. It's not time to quit. It's not time to give up. It's not time to lay down. It's time to serve. Because when we serve others, it does something with our own circumstances. It colors it instead of with bitterness. It covers it with, this is life. It covers it with joy that Jesus is still alive and on the throne that he still loves us and I'm still here for his purposes. He is Lord and Master. So that's the kind of voyage. Now the the second thing I want to look at was what do most men trust in on the voyage of life? What do most men trust in? Uh, First of all in verse 11 they trust in the voice of experience. Paul has warned them that 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 God has revealed to him that it's going to be a dangerous voyage, that it's going to be detrimental, they could lose everything, including their own lives. Nevertheless, the centurion, the guy in charge, the one who was taking Paul to Rome uh, to face a a Roman judge, to face Caesar. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken of by Paul. A lot of times we trust guys, the voice of experience, men who have been there, women who have been there, and we're persuaded by that rather than by the Word of God. Now we need to ask, do we listen to humanistic experience? Do we listen to humanistic wisdom? Do we listen to guys who've been through different things and and think, that's okay, I can make it too? Or do we listen to what the Word of God says specifically to our hearts about our circumstance, our situation? There's a vast difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God, all right? There's a vast difference between the experience of men, good or bad, and what God's power can do in our lives. We need to understand that. Then we see that some men don't just do the voice of experience, they do the way of expediency. Verse 12 says, because the harbor was not super winner in the the majority advised to set sail from there, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening towards the southwest and northwest, and winter there. You see, the harbor was not suitable for winter, so the expedient thing to do was, before winter set in, go and find a safe harbor for winter. It was expedient that they, that they go, and sometimes we make decisions based on, this has got to be done, it's got to be done now, all right? Now, I'm I'm going to take a little aside, and I'm not not browbeating anybody, I'm not poking anybody, I want that understood. But there's been a lot of criticism about why is it taking so long to get back to our normal things. Because the expedient way was not God's way is what I want to say. We're doing what God wanted with due caution and due diligence, and we're getting back to where God wants us to be. And we're going to start being together and doing those ministries everybody's missing. But it took time. For safety, took time for God to work his will in us. And we should have been praying and, and having sort of a mini revival. And if we're frustrated and we're angry, then something's wrong with our spiritual life and we didn't spend enough time with God during this pandemic when he had us all cloistered. All right? And so we don't make decisions on the way of expediency because somebody else does this or somebody else does that. We base... Our movement upon the holy spirit and what he have us do and paul said we shouldn't go but they didn't listen to paul and then the drift of circumstances all right sometimes circumstances can fool us you need to understand even the devil can arrange circumstances if you don't know what god's will is you start with prayer and you listen to the holy spirit through god's word And then you line it up with godly advice and then circumstances. Too many people want to jump to the circumstance and say, this is it, this is God's will. And then when it all blows up, they're disillusioned. They're upset with God. You see, circumstances are mentioned in verse 13 of this uh, chapter. It it, it says this in verse 13. When the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, putting out the sea, they said, close by, Crete, see the drift of circumstances we just go with the flow and it looks like this is going to be it this is good rather than making sure the circumstances match up to god's word and not the other way around that's why we're confused don't be confused by circumstances base our movements base what we believe not on the circumstances of life but on the word of god almighty And then the third thing I want us to see is not just what kind of voyage life usually is, what do men trust in life's voyage or life's journey, but what many do in the storms along life and the storms of life's voyage. What do people do? You see, I think a lot of times we're deaf to revelation. When you read verses 10 and 11 of this chapter, and we did, Paul told them what was going to happen. They didn't heed the things spoken by Paul, that that it was going to be a dangerous voyage, that what they were doing uh, was was really not good. All right, and then when we go on, we have a desire uh, for reformation. Uh, See, in verse 14, it says, but not long after, see, they set sail, contrary to Paul's uh, uh, advice, not long after a tempestuous headwind arose, Called the Ereclidon. And so, when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive and run into the shelter of an island called Claudia. We secured the skiff with difficulty. And we take it on board, cables underground the ship, fearing we should run aground on the citrus sands. They struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceeding tempest toss the next day, they lightened the ship. They began to throw stuff overboard. You see, too often <coughs> we desire to change. And see, verse 18 says, And because they were exceeding tempest-tossed the next day, they lightened the ship. They tried to reform. Maybe they should have listened to Paul. We try to listen to God, so we we try to just still get it our own way. All right? They were tempest-tossed. Okay? And sometimes we need to understand when we're tempest and we're tossed by life, it's not time to get up. It's not time to give up certain things and lighten the load. It's time to bear down and get close to god and then sometimes they're driven to desperation in verse 20 says now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat us on us all hope that we should be saved was finally given up all hope was given up again it's not over till god says it's over We don't know whether they experienced some kind of hurricane there. We don't know exactly what the storm was. They'd lighten the load. Uh, The anchors weren't holding. The ship looked like it was going to be battered to pieces. They hadn't seen the stars or any of the sun for all these days, and they gave up. And they realized what Paul said could happen. They could lose their very lives because they would not listen. Do we listen to God? Do we listen to the revelation? Then do we decide to try to reform a little bit, and then finally we're driven to desperation? I'm not saying that you can't come to God in desperation. At least you came to God. But I'm saying if we do it at the first rather than at the end, things go a lot better. Things work out for us. We need to apply that to our hearts and to our lives, you see. It's not over until God says it's over. So it's better to come in desperation than not at all. But rather than having to reform, rather than having to do these things, maybe we shouldn't just look at life through the lenses of circumstances, but look at life through the Bible the eyes of the Holy Spirit and depend on Him to get us where we're going in our journey. Now, the last thing is this, the true hope for the soul on life's journey. There are basically four anchors. Verse 29 says, Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall. And as the day was about to dawn, Paul poured them all, to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day. You have waited and continued without food and eat nothing. Therefore I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from your head of any of you. And when he said these things, he took bread gave thanks to God in the presence of all. And when he broke it, he began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and they took food for themselves. And in all, we were six hundred We were 276 persons on the ship. When they'd eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed the bay with a beach into which they planned to run the ship aground if possible. And they let go of the anchors and left them in sea while loosing the rudder ropes and they hoisted the main tail the wind and made for sure striking a place where the two seas met they ran the ship aground and stuck fast and wouldn't move as being broken up by the violence of the waves the soldiers plan was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape but the centurion wanted to save paul kept them from their purpose and commanded those they could swim jump overboard and get to land And the rest take some boards and other parts of the ship. And so they all escaped safely to land. Now, it said to hold themselves there before they saw their safety, before they saw the safe harbor, they put out four anchors. What were the four anchors? Look at verse 23. Uh, Now, this is metaphorically, y'all, okay? Paul is speaking to them. He says in verse 22, "'As you take heart.'" For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God whom I belong to and whom I serve. You see, there's Christ our Redeemer, the anchor of our soul. He says, whom I belong to and whom I serve. You see, we belong to God. Now, I want you to think about what this means. It doesn't matter where we are, we're safe until His purpose is done for our lives. We're safe, When we hang on to the anchor of Jesus Christ. We're safe because we've made a commitment to him for all eternity. He holds us in the hollow of his hand and he holds us there till he knows our purpose in life is done. Not a time to fear. The second anchor is also verse 23. He says, an angel of God, God whom I serve. You see, he is our Lord as well as our Savior. Lord means master, king, boss. It's not enough just to call on Jesus as our, our Savior. We have to surrender our lives to him as our Lord, our master, our boss. We need to live for him. And then the third anchor, Christ our comforter, verse 24. It says, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. Deed God has granted you all those who sail with you. He's bringing comfort, and we read those, words, those verses later that I read about them breaking bread and giving thanks, and their hearts were encouraged. He gave them hope. The Comforter came to Paul, all right? The Holy Spirit saying, look, you're going to be okay. You've got to go before Caesar. Your witness has got to be there. I'm going to get you there, and I've given you all those who sail with you. Not one life will be lost. Now, if you need words of comfort today, I tell you to go to the Word of God. There are nights when I cannot sleep when things are bothering me, and I worry like a dog over a bone. And over the years, I've learned to go, and and I usually go to the Psalms because they're they're there for people who need comfort. Or I go to the Gospels and read about Jesus and, and how wonderful a Savior He truly is, okay? And and I'm comforted, uh, and I, and I find rest for my soul, so that I can go to sleep and actually wake up refreshed. Because you can sleep and still wake up tired. That's what he said when Jesus said, "Come to me, you all you who are heavy laden." And said, "And I will give you rest for your soul, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy." Do we understand that Christ our Comforter? So our Redeemer, our Lord, our Comforter, and Christ our Counselor. Again, verse 25, he said, Take heart, for I believe God that it will be just like he told me. As he told me, just as God told us in his book it's going to be. Just as God's Spirit whispers in our ear, God's Word, it will be. Listen to me, God knows our life's journey. God knows The difficulties we're going to face. The mountaintop experiences inspire us, but the valleys of the shadow of death grow us. And life's journey can be difficult, it can be dangerous, it can be detrimental, but it's all going to be okay when we depend on Christ, our Redeemer, our Lord, our Comforter, our Counselor. If you're in that situation of life's journey that's a little difficult right now, it's not a mountaintop experience for you right now, then you need to lean on Jesus. You need to slow down, tell Him that you need Him, and then depend on Him. Be honest. I'm hurting. I'm angry. I'm depressed. I'm lonely. And let Him feel the very need of your soul. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word on the Apostle Paul, Lord, one of the greatest missionaries the world's ever known, your servant, even unto death. And Lord, he set the example of the following you no matter what the cost. And Lord, he set the example that, that life wasn't always a bed of roses, but he had highs and he had lows. And through it all you were with him, and you're going to be with us too. Come for those brothers and sisters listening to the sound of my voice tonight that they will know you're with them. Give them your Holy Spirit. Encourage them. For those that might be down in the dumps, give them the joy of their salvation. Lord, let them look up to you and see uh, maybe the clouds breaking and the sun peeking through. In whatever situation they find themselves in, I pray these things this day, this night. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you the next time. Thank you.